It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Alan Price, and I am welcoming you to episode 31 of Operation Retroshock. And alongside me, as always, is my compadre, Chris Vint. Yes, I'm Chris Vint, and uh, it's been a while since I've done the intro, um, so uh, yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? What happened? What happened last time? Come on. Mate, I didn't have time? I didn't have enough sugar in my system. I wasn't able to cope with the, you know, the, the big pressure and stuff. In the nineteen. Have you heard Master Universe Chronicles? I do that show all by myself, apart from the help with other people. <laughs> apart from the help from other people. Yeah. Yes. Like contributors. Contributors unite. Okay. So welcome, yes, to episode thirty-one. And we have a lovely little TV special for you. A um, bit of mix and match in here. It's a, it is a bit of a random one. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're in America, you'll probably not under- know probably what not the first one is. A few of them, like, or well, you'll know probably at least two of them anyway. Uh, another two, you'll probably just be like, hmm. Uh, but we shall go ahead here and explain exactly what we're going to talk about. Our first subject of the show is going to be the crystal maze whoosh that just goes over everybody's heads in a yeah minute. it's like if you were to say nightmare some people wouldn't get it there we go um, next is Dungeons and Dragons that's a wee bit self-explanatory everybody knows a Dungeons yes this is not the Dungeons and Dragons movie which had uh, Jimmy Olsen from the new adventures of Superman no oh, at least and it has one of the Wayans brothers in it and it was muck oh well that's good at least I know I'll be able to leave you to rant on that in that segment <laughs> Vengeance will be mine, or Venger. Even. Uh, thirdly, we will be talking about Doctor a personal favourite of mine Doctor my Hay, childhood. Doctor Who, isn't it? No, this is a childhood special, Christopher. So Beauty and the Beast? No. It's a TV special, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was on TV with Linda Hamilton, actually, so... Fine. Our third subject is Thomas the Tank Engine. Now, you... Everybody in America, you should know of this TV program because it did indeed get taken to the States and got voiced over by a certain Eric Baldwin. What a state Talk it about him later. What a state it was. <laughs> and finally, we are going to talk about the cult UK classic that has went downhill in its return, but that shall be spoken about, is Red Dwarf. Which people should know about because I think it was Patrick Stewart watched it and uh, he was going to get in touch with the people in charge of Star Trek and say, hey, somebody else is doing like some sci-fi show. And then he started laughing because it's a comedy. And like, way to go, Idaho. He's like, yes, well done, Patrick. Worth it out. <laughs> How dare someone come and do a sci-fi show without my permission? Oh my God, it doesn't make any sense. Is that right, Shatner? Indeed, it does. You have to do some wrestling theme songs like that now? <laughs> no. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. You actually sang that. I know, I remember hearing it. It was dire. <laughs> and then you found it. It was Comedy Roast on Comedy Central a couple of years ago. It was quite comedy. 
I was going to say something there. I was going to say, pardon me, where are you going? I would have been rude. So, where are we going now? I don't know where we're going. We're not going to break. I don't know. I think we're going to either get in our canoes or climb over like a big metal fence or something. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Because it is time to go to the break and participate in the Crystal Maze with Richard O'Brien. What is it? Crystal Maze. Oh, right, okay. The pony trucking holiday market will be mine! Insert harmonica noise! <laughs> 15 seconds of you. Goodbye! You're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to PopCultureNetwork.com and click on store. Welcome to the Aztec Zone. Captain Emperor, a game and contestant must you choose. I think we'll go for a mental with Obi-Wan. Are you calling me mental, you f***ing Excellent game have I for you. Follow me. Mm, two minutes have you got? Your time starts now! Can we just go down the pub for a pint of Alec Guinness? Get him away! Go for it, Obi-Wan! There's a sign over there, read the sign! To release the crystal, complete the picture of Billy crystal. Come on, pick up the tiles and put them on the table as quick as you can! Just concentrate! I could concentrate if you just left and stop shouting at me all the time! How much time have we got? Oh no, we're doomed! Is this f right now? No, that's wrong! Shut it in! No, no, put it out! No, shut it in! Oh, get out, get out, get out! Quickly, get out! Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Shut up, you f This is James Etook. If you like 80s cartoons, and let's face it, how could you not, then be sure to pick up a copy of Serial Geek Magazine, the glossy 100-page ad-free magazine dedicated to GoBots. And somewhat more importantly, He-Man, She-Ra, Thundercats, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. Head on over to www.serialgeek.com. That's cereal as in breakfast cereal. Go there now and pick up the animation magazine dedicated to 80s cartoons. Go now!
Welcome to the Crystal Dome. The Crystal Maze, you mean? No, I'm standing in front of the Crystal Dome. Let me just fix my microphone, because my microphone is bent towards my face a bit much because of that last segment. I was trying to remake the iMac again. <laughs> the iMac was in full progress there. Right, there we go, I'm back and I'm fixed, there we go. Microphone wasn't, like, straight inside my mouth. It was never inside my mouth. But uh, sometimes Ank is hungry and he just eats whatever is in front. Like his microphone. That's just delightful, sir. <laughs> so... The crystal maze. Ha- before we go any further, we don't have jelly babies. We have Mr. Min. Um, Jellies. Jellies. Which are actually quite nice. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of Mr. Min. We should have really done that instead, but uh, <laughs> would have been talking. Let's about do it now. We've been talking about mute things and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> They'd be walking around and be going, "Oh, me fair." That's about the height of it. This is a rubbish shock. That's don't you incorporate Mr. Man with this is rubbish shock? <laughs> he says the guy is like, "No, we're Thomas the Tank Engine." So, let us explain to the ladies and gentlemen who are not familiar with the Crystal Maze just what the Crystal Maze is. The Crystal Maze, if you're wondering, I am reading this. The Crystal (laughs) Maze is a show set in Chatsworth. No, that's... don't worry. Uh, It is a set which includes four different zones set in a various period of time and space. Is this Doctor Who or something? I don't know. A team of six contestants take part in a sl- park, part in a selection of challenges to, in order to win time crystals. Each crystal gives the team five seconds inside the crystal dome, the heart of the maze, where the contestants take part in the final challenge. So what it basically is, there's numerous different zones in this show. Specifically, we have Aztec, <coughs> Industrial, Medieval, futuristic, but there was also at a point during the show later on, the Ocean Zone. That's right. Uh, and then you had different kind of games. You have mental, you have... Uh, physical and <laughs> tough. You have mental, physical... Uh, what are the ones? You've got... <laughs> you can tell I really did my homework, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Physical, mental. Me- physical, mental. We've got about, we've got just about past physical and mental there, so we have. Uh, there's... There was ones that were very similar to one another because you had what was it? You had there was like say for example, we'll give you an example of a physical in the ocean world. There was like ones that had to like don like a diving helmet and all that sort of stuff, but that was just to keep the water out, but off their from their heads so they could breathe. But they wouldn't they wouldn't wear like a diving suit or anything, so they'd just be diving in there in their flipping, you know, normal tops. That was also actually that was another big part of the show is. There was a lot of water involved no matter where they were. Yeah, because there's that one that had to climb down, and then they there was like a chest that they had to find, and normally got like three minutes, but they would go like, What? I can't hear you! It's like, yeah, we're having to shout through a door, which then has to go down, and then has to go across, and of course you're not going to hear us, you silly melon. I know, it's just, ugh, they were so, 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 so stupid. Um, but... Like we said, there was physical, there was mental. Ma- uh, that was mental was effectively Maz, brain power, and all. Because mental was like uh, in the medieval zone. Would send Richard O'Brien specifically, who played the character of you know he ran the Crystal Maze and actually lived in one of the zones with his mama. Um, she mumsy mumsy. She did all the mental stuff. Um, but yeah, um, you had skill, which was tests of dexterity. That's like okay then. Uh, you had a mystery, which was kind of like a oh yeah. Logic sort of a thing um, so they were kind of your main 
it's ones that you kind of had to focus on. But I must explain to you all, everybody, this show is no longer around. This show was, uh, it started in 1990 and ran to 1995. So this show is rerun on a show channel that you will probably all have heard if you're into your wrestling and have read about the whole TNA crisis that initially occurred a few months ago in the UK getting a you know, getting a channel. The channel is, of course, Challenge, and this is where this show is rerun. The fun of rewatching this show nowadays that I find is the fact of looking back and seeing how bad people's glasses were, <laughs> fashion sense was, the likes of their hair. It was unbelievable. White guys with afros. It's just, ugh. It is an absolute. Disaster of fashion. Um, another interesting thing is right. Obviously, we kind of quickly ran through the zones there. The Aztec zone specifically had about I think it was six. It was three or six. It was something like that. It was a case of also they had to, obviously this is in a big kind of warehouse place and they built the studio and they've spent I think they spent something about a quarter of. A million pound, which for 1990 was a pretty big deal of money, <laughs> um, probably equivalent to near a million pounds nowadays. Um, of which some of that money went towards 20 odd tons worth of sand for the Aztec zone. I could hardly notice it at times. It's just a case it was just like right, 20 tons gets you like a millimeter of a layer on the ground. Yeah, it was just a case whenever they were running around, you didn't really see it an awful lot whenever they were inside. Because mm. like one of them was whenever they had to walk across that balance beam, and they had like the the bucket mm-hmm. on either side and I had to try and you know fill that up for the crystal then yes. come down and then you woman like in the intro you see like people failing them and you see her slipping and cracking her ribs oh. off that and it's just like oh. ouch that looks sore but it's not me so haha <laughs> but that was the Aztec zone was always fun because and it's one thing Richard O'Brien would always pull off for a laugh he would go to run like across the entire place then he quickly turned around and just go to the door right yeah. inside next to the place. I have to give that guy props because how he remembers what's what, what, what challenge. No piece. But it's just as quick as that. You would think that in being the UK, the guy meant to be on the earpiece with him was probably... No, but that, and then that's why he says, what do you want? And we got a mental and he goes like, so you want a mental? And then this guy's going, second door on the left and he's going like, I've got one for you. Go over here. Mental. But that's a physical. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, like, damn it. How are you meant to know the difference? I don't know. Uh, but like we were saying with before the break, specifically about get into these zones. They all each different show will begin in a different zone. So they can start in Aztec. They can start in Industrial. They can start wherever you know in the future world. Um, it's accompanied with its own like the opening challenge. Yeah. Aztec was a forest river, so they were all going in their canoes. Medieval, it was something about... Um, what was it? They had, it they had to get the portcullis up. Yeah, and there's like a graveyard about the place and all that sort of thing. Industrial was, like we mentioned, them climbing over. A door, which could have been easily opened <laughs> with a key. Uh, Oceanic Zone was pretty much... Them, they were like climbing in through like a wee... Yeah, it was almost like an air vent. Yeah, it was like yeah. an air vent. And Futuristic was pretty similar to uh, Oceanic and that was like a vent or something mm. like that. If memory serves me correctly. 
But yep, Medieval Zone, I find a bit of a laugh as well because obviously we mentioned Mumsy. Mm-hmm. He would always make a big deal of this, and he would say it's like the family home that's been there since 1300s or something, which was pretty cool. Um, but there was, there's always a challenge in Medieval Zone. I'm trying to remember that had the, like the suit of armor outside it. Yeah, it, was, it had the crystal. It wasn't actually in the challenge or something. Or no, tell a lie. Um, they had to give the crystal to like the suit. Mm-hmm. It would like give them the sword or something like that. It was weird. It was really really odd. Um, I would say God help the poor man that had to stand in that suit the whole time. <laughs> Just be like, they're coming my way. I have to remain still. But um, do you have a favorite zone in particular, Christopher? Um, I would probably say the futuristic zone I quite liked. I like the fact that the computer was uh, kind of weird. And flirty. Yeah, flirty. Flirty. Um, the computer uh, was AI, which was all kind of fancy-dancy for <laughs> this time of the, f- the world. Um, and it flirted with the host. And I was just like, right, okay then. Um, but it's a case of each time you got you know, you went in, you could get your crystals. After you did so many levels in each zone, you would move on to the next zone. And again, that would in, you know, take part of something random, some random movement to the next zone. Um, so, like, if you were moving from Aztec to the ocean zone, you would be, like, going over skipping stone thing. Yeah. And, it was just a bit honestly it's a case of if you fail this challenge it wasn't a case of ah oh, well better luck next time if you failed you You're got not. locked in you got a certain period of time so say with some challenges you would get three minutes and then about you would three. normally like about during every the challenges you will hear how much time have you got and they go like oh, you've got loads of time shut up and they'd be <laughs> like you know like 30 se- you have 30 seconds and then whenever it gets to 15 all the five people outside will go like get out get out get out and then they'll get locked in so say they have two crystals and they're going to the next zone then they have to turn in a crystal to then buy out one yeah, of their the person back. Um, players so um there's been times where there's been like two or three people left. Aye. Um, we need the time instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, that was They always tend to, if they had one or two people locked in, if they decided we'll move on to the next zone and we'll think about buying them out yeah. later, they would always, you know, after maybe them doing another task or something, they'd flicker back and you just see this poor saw just sitting in the corner like, I'm bored. And then, but the thing was, is that they had to run back to them yeah. and go, yeah, we're buying you out, and be like, oh yeah, let's go. Like, yeah, I'm so happy. Let's go. Let's go. 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 Where do we go? I don't know. Uh, I just ran down the road and it was fine. But it was also the whole thing of, like we said, water is a big part of it. So they would fall in the water and they'd be, obviously, they could be locked in at the same time. So they'd be sitting there drenched <laughs> and then could get bought out. And then they'd arrive back and then Richard O'Brien would just go. Oh, go get yourself dried off in the <laughs> yeah, but like, No, I just ran back here. Like, I've ran the whole way back here, and now you tell me I have to go back to such and such zone to get dry? It's like, you're talking ridiculous stuff right it's now. Of that beach ball. But, uh, this, of course, was out around the same time as a certain show called Fort Boyard. Again, Americans probably don't really know what Fort Boyard is. <laughs> um, they're both a very similar show, and that there's tasks and stuff like that. Um, 
for those of us that are Doctor Who fans, and if you've listened to previous episodes, you will know of a certain man called Tom Baker. Tom Baker was involved with Fort Boyard. So if you're a Doctor Who fan, you may be interested in going to see that show. Or if you're a red-blooded male, go to Google and type in Melinda Messenger. That's M-E-S-S-E-N-G-E-R. <laughs> How to refer to She was a page three girl who basically showed her tatas to the world. Oh dear. If you're underage, don't be doing that. <laughs> Unless you're over uh, the age of 16. Uh, goodbye, uh, Sun newspaper. Ooh. <laughs> um... I don't know what to say to that, ladies and gents. It's just... Booberific. That's what I say. Fine. Fine. That's all I remember about Fort Boyard. And there was a midget as well. Or, sorry, dwarf. I didn't know that. I can't remember that at all. Um, I suppose we should explain to them what happens at the end, then. Um, (laughs) What happens at the end? What happens at the end is, obviously... They all get married. No, they don't get married. They have enough crystals to get married. They don't... It's nothing about getting married! And they all get married. It's like, yeah, a big group of six people. It's like, we all get married to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, but, for example, right, they went through all the different zones and they've ended up with, ooh, let's call it six crystals. So, 30 seconds of time for you. Exactly. So, we'll arrive at the crystal maze center, which crystal is dome. where the dome is. And, uh... It's actually a better dome than the Millennium Dome. Yes, a lot better. So... They're standing there and they're all lined up and Richard gives them a good pep talk and he's like, you have done very well or you have done proper crap. <laughs> I was about to say the S word but I held back. And he's like, so you have uh, 30 seconds of time in Crystal Dome. Um, and then he explains it and what they have to do is they have to go in and they have to... We sought fans, please! Yes. They need to collect 100 <laughs> golden tokens. In order to get the amazing, amazing prize that we're going to talk about. Bungee we're jumping. We're going to talk about those in a wee minute. Um, they need to get a hundred gold tokens. What the Crystal Dome is, in fact, is a big plexiglass shape version of the crystals they've been going about getting. And it has loads of fans in it. So it's nearly like what you see nowadays with people who want to go like skydiving, but not actually up in the air. and has a like, giant fan underneath. And what it'll be is all oh, there's gold tokens on the floor, but there's also silver tokens on the floor. And what they have to do is they have to hold on to Godrail and he'll go start the fans. But before they start the fans, they actually get in it. He's like, I'm going to raise the bridge because the bridge will be underwater. <laughs> like, not welcome the bridge. But be careful, hold on to the handbars because you may slip because it's wet. And he'll open the door and then people will hit the head on the way in because it's a small entrance. But they'll hold on to the bars then, and then he'll go, Start the fans, please! And he'll blow his whistle, and he'll then be playing his harmonica and stuff like that. Um, so then all the tokens go flying about inside the Crystal Dome. Um, amazing hand actions going on right now. Um, and they have to grab the tokens, and they have to put them in a little letterbox. Yep. Postman Pat going to come collect those later. Um, um, so it's a case of... They take all the gold ones, and all the silver ones, and they count them out. And say, for example, they collected 120 gold, but they collected 21 silver, it would be, you are failed because you've only got 99 gold because silver is deducted from the gold. And you'll be like, here you go. You get a little trophy version of one of the crystals. Now go away. (laughs) Then I cracked the crystal dome. No, you didn't because you failed. Failed. You competed in the crystal maze. Crack it. Yeah, you didn't crack it. But if you get it in a wee box like you would if you bought somebody a wedding ring or something. <laughs> like if they were going to get married? Yes, that's where he got that idea from, obviously. No, they, I do get married at the end. 
Like, after the credits. <laughs> but we shall go to the good news if you, in fact, say you got 120 gold, but only 19 silver. That would be enough for you to win your prize. Such prizes, who are amazing, are like a weekend in Margate, which, if you realize, people nothing against the people of Margate in England, um, it's not the most desirable location to go for a trip. Um, it's a case of nowadays, if you were on a show, it would be, yeah, you know, week to Spain, or something like that. Yeah. Um, whereas back here, um, budget was obviously all spent on the actual set and realized, damn, we don't have any money to actually give them, so we'll send them to a seaside town in England. And some of them get, like, individual prizes, so it's like, you wish, Alan... You wished for bungee jumping. <laughs> Alan, you got bungee jumping, so we're going to actually push you off a plane, and you're going to have a rope attached to your feet, and then you could just dangle there, and be like, mm. And then, Chris, yeah, you wanted to go go-karting, so you get to do that, and it's going to be proper like, fun. You wanted to go to the zoo, so you're going to the zoo... And Tom, you're scared of heights. So what we did is we got you paragliding lessons, <laughs> so you can go do that. And uh, Trevor, you're scared of wolves, so we're gonna send you to the North Pole, and you're gonna go with the huskies on the back of a sleigh and go to see Santa Claus. Oh dear. So yeah, that's the sort of the height of the prizes you can expect from. It's very much like on Bullseye, um, and you could win a caravan. Or or, or the people who come on the show could win a boat, but live nowhere near. A piece of water to put it on. <laughs> that was common. Yep. Enough. But look what you could have won. I know. Look what you could have won. Uh. <laughs> and also, we said that Richard O'Brien hosted this, but then later on, Ed Shooter Pool, who was poop, um, hosted it. That's whenever the underworld it's, level came in. This is where it started to go downhill. Is because, like any show, if you change it, people don't like it. And it's a case of like Rich, Richard O'Brien left, and everybody loved Richard O'Brien as the host. And this new fella, Edward Tudor Pole, came in, who was like a head lead singer in like a band or something like that, randomly. Came in, so you got no harmonica, um, or at least a harmonica that wasn't as good. And they, he still pretended that it was his mumsy in like Medieval Land. And it's just like, you Maybe are not adopted. Richard O'Brien! Like, Maybe they were adopted. No, because he had hair. Well, maybe that would have been the case. Um, yeah, because if you're adopted, the pre- prerequisite to that, uh, we're going to adopt. He must not have hair, because he doesn't. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yes, that is effectively the Crystal Maze. It sadly came to the end in 1995 and broke my heart, because it was one of my favourite shows. Alan really wanted that um, holiday in, like, uh, Islington. <laughs> Islington? Yeah, I really wanted to go there. <laughs> just, it would have been so exciting. Can't get a direct flight from Belfast, you see? <sighs> no, <laughs> that's not fair. It's just I, I'm speechless now. I know it's just dead air now. It is. It's, it's no, it's that bad. It's just a case of ugh. It's alright, Alan. Don't mourn. I'm gonna cry. Don't. Like, whatever, okay. Um, so yes. Will you kiss the bride, please? That's what he said at the end. Okay. <laughs> I have your perfect <laughs> reference for going in to our next subject. This is a perfect link, seamless link. Wait to hear this. The Crystal Maze and cult pop references. 
is the fact that the Crystal Maze was referenced in the 2000 movie of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I know you said that's not what we're covering, but it still has Dungeons and Dragons in the title. It was referenced in the 2000 movie Dungeons and Dragons, which featured a maze with similar puzzles, which is owner played by O'Brien. The owner is actually played by O'Brien. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. She was lampooned as the Mary Whitehouse experience when a group of contestants completed, failed it, complete everything of making a cup of tea game. <laughs> they failed at making a cup of tea. So there you go. Dungeons and Dragons coming up after the break. Fine. Bye. <laughs> That's not a dragon. I'm scared. Hi, my name's William Shatner. You probably remember me as Captain Kirk from Star Trek. But these days, I'm involved in a totally different kind of enterprise. That's right, I've got my own company which designs and manufactures underpants for men. Boxers, Y-fronts, Tanga trunks, and even posing pouches. We understand the importance of underwear. And we make underwear that understands what it's like to be a man. So if you've never truly unleashed your masculinity, you're in need of... Shatner Pants, because you ain't a real man until you're in Shatner Pants. Hi, this is Larry Candy, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vince on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercat. Oh! Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! A break. I don't like this. Whoa! What's happening? Whoa! Where are we? Look out! Fear not, stranger. Barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. Avenger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello, and welcome back from the break. Why are you signaling to me? Are you eating? Oh, I can't talk eating, as Homer Simpson once said. So yes, we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragonese. That's Dungeons and Dragons, for those who don't speak fluent um Hachnifnifoth. Or the Pokemon version would be Dratinis and Dragonairs. I don't know. <laughs> God, that's goddamn awful. I know it is, but hey. So yes, so Dungeons and Dragons. Um, obviously, from the start of this, um, you will get um, the children running into the ride and going, Hey, look, a Dungeons and Dragons ride. To which it's kind of like a roller coaster kind of thing. And they get into it and... All this wackadoo stuff starts happening. It goes, hey, wait. Is that a technical term? Yeah. I don't like this. And then they, what? like, fall in to somewhere and they've all changed their clothes, you know, instead of wearing t shirts and stuff. Like, Hank is wearing, like, a green like, hood thing. Um, and then there's, like, everyone gets a different set. So, like, Bobby is a barbarian, so he's got a little hat on, like, Viking hat with, like, a little club. 
And then Uni, little bit of trivia for you. Uni, the person who did the, the noise for Uni, did the noise for Slimer and the real Goosebus Days, which we have covered. I probably mentioned that there, but anyway. So then you have the likes of, say, uh, P- Presto, who is a magician. And um, he, like, is a rubbish magician. So that's oh, like, no, man. how about you do this? And he goes, okay, and that's wrong. So, so he's very like, much so he's like, like a magician Orko. in Shrek. Oh, very much like Orko. With Orko, okay. Yeah, it's better to say that. Leave Panther alone, he bites you. <laughs> ah! Bites you in the face. Uh, yeah, so, you have, um, you have, like, um, the first series, um, they were, a lot of people, whenever they say Dungeons and Dragons was, did they ever get home? And sadly, they did not, because... Sad endings. Because, uh, they were like, right, we're gonna make a second series, and they didn't. But apparently, in the second series, they did get home. They That's were, awesome. There were glimpses of them getting home, you know, like they were. There was a moment where Eric was uh, in some portal thing and go like, "I can almost smell the hamburgers," and they went to go out and something would happen, like. And it was Burger Sting, Burger Sting, <laughs> Burger King instead of McDonald's, and they were like, "Oh no, we're going back." <laughs> it's like Uni um, had uh, a sore horn or something. I don't know. It's something, oh. something, something stupid. But yes, I have in front of me the Contender DVDs, um, which are four volumes, very much like the Master Universe ones. Fox Kids. Pardon? Fox Kids. <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah, but it says Fox Kids and then two are Jetix. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, the first episode on this is Servant of Evil. So Bobby's birthday is ruled, ruined when Shella and the others are captured and thrown into Avengers, Prison of Agony. If you think Avenger, obviously every um, cartoon series and every show has their villain. Avenger is very much like a uh, Megatron, kind of, but in human form, if you think of it that way, kind of. That's that's interesting. Yeah. What, so he can transform from, say, a human into a dog and stuff? No. <laughs> like, chuk, 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 chuk. But the person who's the voice for Avenger, I can't remember if this is right or not, but... I have a funny feeling, before I look up, that the person who did the voice for Venger did the voice for Optimus Prime. Peter Cullen! Yes, and also in this here was the voice of Frank Welker, who did the voice for Megatron. <laughs> Is this something interesting going on right now? Yes, so we had, as I said about the different characters, we had Hank, who was a cavalier. Bumblebee. No, Eric was a cavalier. Chris, get it right, because Eric was one with the shield. Hank was a ranger because he had the bow, very much like bow from Shira, Prince of Power, but he had, had the better bow. Uh, Hank's was a bit. Is, did his bow have strength? Uh, no, but you could customize it, so it did. <laughs> no, ha- uh, Hank's did not. Um, it would just like light up. So I know that was a wee stab at uh, Mattel with right. bow and stuff. So Diana was the acrobat. Um, so she had very much like Chitara had her staff. Mm-hmm. Hers would then hers, hers would then grow <laughs> and stuff. Um, that's her staff, not like Eric's staff or something. <laughs> so as I said, you had Presto the magician. Um, you had Bobby the barbarian. Bobby the brain, I, I not Bobby the brain. Bo- Bobby the barbarian. And Bobby's sister Sheila was a thief. I thought so, you said Shira for a second. I, just, I, was, I was looking the opposite way in the room at one of your figures, and then I just heard Sheila, and I was like, "Sorry, Shira." No. So, um, 
she would have very much like a Harry Potter cloak where if she wanted to stay yeah exactly so then you had uh, Avenger who this is all basically discussed in the opening credits you know like Avenger the force of evil Um, there was like a three headed thing um, which I can't remember talking like the thing that was in like uh, Hercules the Disney movie like no, thing that that could be cut off his head, get another two or something. Like no, that. this had three heads. It was like right, t- okay. Tiamat or something like that. Right, right. Anyway, um, but and then you had um, Dungeon Master, who was kind of done, <laughs> kind of like a riddle me this, riddle me that. You know, like uh, you shall meet Merlin, but Merlin is not what he seems. Beware the white hair, and they will say like, hey. Look at him, he has white hair, but it's actually, you know, like, instead of a rabbit, it's a hare. Oh, so right. it's like, Dungeon Master told us to look out for this. And you're like, how thick are you, children? You must <laughs> all sit at the back of, in school and be thick as... Like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, he had quite a lot of episodes, and as I say, unfortunately, they didn't actually um, make it home. Um, for, was there a particular character or you liked, or is there a, a episode or a moment that you remember? Not, not particularly. It's a case of it's one of those ones that it's one of the weird things that you think that it's a show that very much deserved to go on, but then was cut short because you had all the characters, and obviously there's obviously in each show you obviously have your annoyances and things like that, and. Like, I like the whole idea of invisibility and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's just a case of it's one of the rare shows that something doesn't get resolved. <laughs> I find that, and that's the one thing that obviously it lets everybody down who would be a Dungeons and Dragons fan. Yeah. What about you? Um, I don't know. I always seem to have a soft spot for Eric, mm-hmm. even though he was like you know the cardly kind mm-hmm. of person. You know, like I'm not doing that. That's just crazy and so on and so forth. If you like the cowardly lion. Whereas you would find that Bobby would be the youngest, but very much like most children, you know, like most children would kind of have no fear. Yeah. you know, well, That's true, because that is the thing with kids, is you'll find, number one, if they're young enough, they'll be surprisingly honest about stuff. And number two is, they aren't old enough to realise fear. Yeah. And that's one thing that I thought was very good. Um... With the, with a lot of the 80s and the 90s kind of stuff. When did this actually come out, by the way? When I remember. Check the back of your DVD, boy. It's like, hmm, interesting. What year? Well, the DVDs came out in t- <coughs> 2004. That obviously is not when the show was itself. No, was because it was like in the 80s whenever I was a little child. When you were a little child. So that means it would have had to have been... I'm guessing about 85. It ran from 83 to 85. Oh, well, that was close. Um, obviously, around this time, we had the likes to say Mass of the Universe, and we had, like, Thundercats, and oh. then we had, like, Turtles. Even though there wasn't, like, a lot of music, did you enjoy, the, like, the intro to Dungeons & Dragons? I think it was the same for nearly any show back then. You couldn't... You know, the intros were always really, really good. Mm. I think the thing with Dungeons and Dragons is the intro set it up very, very well. Yeah. You know, as in you got to see all of the different things that it just all the. Th- you could go into the show 
never having watched an episode, and it <coughs> kind of sets you up, and you know, you may get a wee bit confused at the beginning, like what's going on in this episode or whatever. But yeah. it's a case of you know the basic stuff about the people, and just that's what I think anyway. Um, obviously, Avenger, the force of evil, was kind of wanting to get the children's um, weapons. You know, as I've said, you know the likes of Bobby has a big club which like glows, and Presto has his magic, and Eric has his shield. Um, was there? Obviously, we've talked about the characters. Was there a particular weapon that, whenever you were a kid, you were like, "Oh, I'd love to have that. I'd love to have the bow and arrow. I'd love to have like." club just batter people with it would, it would have been the club for me I like to destroy things bam bam is that what you would have said yeah it was just I like to destroy things so the club would have been perfect for me yes um I think I probably would have chosen the bow and arrow because you just wanted to glue and all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah just <laughs> and I just have infinite ammo um you would get a sore arm after a while, though. You'd be just reaching back and go, yeah. I because whacking things with a club will not hurt your arms. Yeah, be fine. No. Be fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, you never probably go, uh, bored now. <laughs> Me want bow and arrow to play with. Twang, twang, twang. I want, oh, no. I want guns instead. <laughs> there was no guns. In this. I want there's no guns. There's no guns in it. I don't think there's apart from obviously Megatron being a gun. I don't remember a lot of kids' TV shows actually having guns in them. No, no, even then you wouldn't get away with that one. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, so, there's... With uh, a lot of them, you know, like as we've just said, about, like guns and stuff, um, the level of violence was controversial for American children in television at the time. Not without guns. Yeah, and the script of one episode, The Dragon's Graveyard, was almost shelved because the characters contemplated killing their nemesis venture. He's a bad guy. He deserves to die. <laughs> well, I, I can under, I can understand where people would, you know, parents and all would be a wee bit put off by it in the sense of they don't want their child to say their dad's into baseball or something like that, and yeah. they have a baseball bat hanging around the place. You don't want the child to run up and grab the baseball bat and start destroying your house. Well, it's actually shown <laughs> in quite a lot of places. It's shown in like Germany, Brazil, Spain, Japan, Hong Kong. <clears throat> Over here in the BBC, it was on BBC Children's Channel Nickelodeon ITV One. Whereas in uh, the United States of America, it would have been—I uh, don't know why I'm talking Australian, but never mind. Uh, sometimes they get your yeah, lingo's mixed up, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, was CBS? CBS, mate. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's uh, good friends. Uh, Oh, well, then, uh, United I States. I take, a, I take it on, like, Pokemon. You didn't have to get up at 6.30 in the morning for this one. That doesn't say. I don't know. Uh, but there we go. Um, <coughs> no matter how much I love Pokemon, I would not have got up at 6.30 in the morning for it. No, I don't think anyone would have been. Obviously, <coughs> again, like a lot of um, our childhood, childhood um, favourites, you know, like, uh, Dungeons Dragons or Turtles or Thundercats. Whenever we've uh, entered the um, the millennium um, and we've been introduced to DVD players, mm-hmm. um, this seems to be like a resurgence of things. Now, sure. unfortunately, Dungeons and Dragons would probably be best known for its board games and stuff. Um, 
it hasn't really spawned an awful lot of merchandise. No. Um, I don't remember personally seeing action figures of the characters or like Venger or Dungeon Master, which would have been a good mm. kind of line. You know, like if you had Hank with his bow and Bobby with, you know, you could have had exclusive Bobby with his bat and then you could have had a two-pack of Bobby and Uni, which was the unicorn it really was that simple surprisingly enough yeah surprisingly enough. or uni and dungeon master perfecto um so is there do you think around that time if they had done merchandise would have been as successful as the likes of masters or thundercats see that's a hard one because you wonder with it having only went one season did they know all along that because you know the way you find like I'll give you an example of recent years there was the return of Knight Rider yeah the return of Knight Rider and it got a series and then was cut the the raw GM is ringing um, but it's a case of it got its first season and pretty much by the time he's mocking you who's mocking me Jimmy McCrory is mocking you he's listening to the Pokemon special and it's type Big HP Big HP Big HP she said about Chansey three times in a row or Cl- Clefairy because I went Clefairy kicked ass my team yeah Big HP Big HP she has Big HP and I was just like alright <laughs> So, uh, Damn you, Jimmy McCrory. I shall punch you in the face. I challenge you to a Pokemon duel. I shall just write, he damns you alive on air. Yep. I am talking to you right now, Jimmy McCrory, as he types, I challenge you to a Pokemon battle, and you shall die by my hand. Your Pokemon shall not faint, they shall die. Anyway, back to Night Rider. Uh, Night Rider got <laughs> We're actually you. talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but nevertheless. I, I, was to to, I was trying to give an example with Night Rider. And then he interrupted and got me all up the wrong way and I'd be going annoying. Daniel Jamie, bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> you're never going to be mentioned again. No, I'm only joking. Um, got first season, but before that, effectively, was even on TV, they had decided that they weren't going to make a second season off it. So I'm wondering, was there anything like this with Dungeons & Dragons? Was there, was there even long-term plans for it? Hence why, if there wasn't, it would explain... A lack of merchandise, no merchandise at all. Mm. If it had, if they had went the second season and then um, put out merchandise, I think it would, I think it would have been very successful because obviously you had the board game and the like, so you would have got the people who have went from the board game to watching the show. Uh, I you would have had, you'd have had a big yes, but I don't think had... it would have lasted anywhere near the likes of the following He-Man has. I don't think you would have had the people who played the board I think the board game uh, board game and the TV show are a different entity yeah. altogether. they're not the same I still think you would have got some people would have come it's across. like um, oh god I should uh, put this <laughs> nicely no I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of how to actually um, do this I suppose in some aspects of saying people who like um, Call of Duty will like the sixth one but not the seventh one you'll find people who like the even numbers and people like the odd numbers yeah. but it's the same brand that's the kind of way I see Dungeons and Dragons um, obviously with the DVDs then as we've said came out and uh, I Which was successful I purchased mine uh, a lovely box um, it's like a book it's like a book you just had to look at it 
um, with some nice artwork done by... It's actually very, very nice artwork. It's done by Eamon O'Donoghue, who also did the Contender uh, DVDs and is a regular um, host on He-Man.org's Roast Google Dinner. Googlings. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I've bought the DVDs. Is this something you were looking at to get at some stage? You know, like, is this one that... You would recommend. Yeah, but is this one that is a gap in your collection? You know, like, if there were sh- certain shows mm-hmm. that you had to buy. Say yeah. say there's three TV shows, like kids' cartoon shows, that you don't have on DVD. Mm. What would they be? And would Dungeons & Dragons be one of them? Mm. Jimmy says, call me out, which Pokemon game? <laughs> well, I don't mind. Silver or black. Silver or black. I beat you in them all, Jamie. I beat you in them all. No, um, mind, as he has level 100. <laughs> you will get whooped, boy. You will get whooped. Um, would this feature in my top three must-have DVDs for 80s cartoon shows? No, that's not what I asked. I asked if you had... Right, so what 80s cartoons do you have? You have Turtles, don't yes, you? Yes, I have Turtles. Right, so do you have Thundercats? I have Thundercats. Right, do you have Master Universe? No. Right, do you <laughs> have... Surprise! Do you have... Uh, do you have... Um, I'm trying to think of... Danger Mouse, say? No, do you have like DuckTales? No. Right, so if you were to. VHS from here. Yeah, if you were to pick some, not, then. Not would, a DVD. Not if you were to pick some, would Dungeons and Dragons be one? And if so, what were the other ones if that it would. If was top five, Dungeons and Dragons would definitely be in it. It's just a case of when it gets to these sort of shows, it gets a bit hard to get picky and choosy when you get up this sort of level. Um, but it is one I would definitely recommend to everybody. And I would, I would say it would feature in most people's top five at least. Mm-hmm. What about you? Where would it be on your top five? But you see, it featured um, whenever we did the TV special. Yes, which I forgot mine and went, ah. Yes, yeah, and you swore. But Dungeons and Dragons was not on your list. What's that about? It's a typical case of forgetting. Mm-hmm. It's forgetting Let's do a new one right now. Oh, we're not <laughs> doing that. That's poo. Right, okay. Well, we've rambled on about Dungeons & Dragons and stuff for 20-odd minutes, so I think that's probably good enough. So, uh, what's, the, what's the next one we're going to do? You see, the thing is, with Dungeons & Dragons, oh, no. they got into roller coaster, and roller coaster is on rails, very much like Thomas the Tank Engine, because he's on rails. And you, you give it to him, you give it to Hogan. Excuse me? Kevin Nash. Yeah, he be right, okay. Well, everyone, join us after the break whenever Alan will be talking about Thomas the Tank Engine, and I'll just be saying, why are we talking about this? No, you're not. You want to be involved, too. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retro Shock with Crazy Cool Chris Vent and Awfully Awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... And by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Thomas is a tank engine who lives at a big station on the island of Sodor. He's a cheeky little engine with six small wheels, a short stumpy funnel, a short stumpy boiler and a short stumpy dome.
She's a fussy little engine too, always pulling coaches about ready for the big engines to take on long journeys. And when trains come in, he pulls the empty coaches away so that the big engines can go and rest. Thomas thinks no engine works as hard as he does. He loves playing tricks on them, including Gordon, the biggest and proudest engine of all. Thomas likes to tease Gordon with his whistle. Wake up, lazy bones. Why don't you work hard like me? Gordon, the proud engine, began making his plan to teach Thomas a lesson for teasing him. Almost before the coaches had stopped moving, Gordon reversed quickly and was coupled to the train. Get in quickly, please, he whistled. Thomas usually pushed behind the big trains to help them start, but he was always uncoupled first. This time, Gordon started so quickly they forgot to uncouple Thomas. Gordon's chance had come. At last they stopped at a station. Thomas was uncoupled and he felt very silly and exhausted. Well, little Thomas, chuckled Gordon, now you know what hard work means, don't you? Poor Thomas couldn't answer. He had no breath. He just puffed slowly away to rest and had a long, long drink. Maybe I don't have to tease Gordon to feel important, Thomas thought to himself, and he puffed slowly home. We apologize for the delay, folks. It's just... Uh, Thomas is just getting uh, oil uh, on his uh, wheels and will be with us shortly. Please enjoy this um, music while you're waiting. Ladies and gentlemen, your train is now ready to depart. Yes. Right time! I've been sitting here waiting for a yonks. You have to wait. Thomas yeah. is a special engine. Yeah, let's just go get the bus instead. Where are you, the bus? Oh my god, he knows all the names. Harold the helicopter! He be going schwa 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 schwa. Apparently, Karen Gillian. 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 Gillen will be at London Film and Comic Con in 2011. I said we should go. I'm so excited. Let's get a fun interview. In- interview? Interview, even. Yeah, face-to-face interview. Hello, Amy. Why was this accent? <laughs> so yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the island of Sodor. The what? Sodor. I don't know. Where? Sodor. Soda? Sodor. <laughs> S-O-D-O-R. Thar. S-O-D-O-R. My head hurts. <laughs> Home of Thomas the Tank Engine. Over there. Yes, and the Fat Controller. You can't say that these days. That's not politically correct. He's correcting. Could be the slightly overweight controller. Slightly overweight. <laughs> or the the uh, what's the word before obese? I can't remember. Obese. Yeah, the obese obese. The no. obese. He has a slow metabolism. It's fine, don't worry about it. So yes, Thomas That's what it says in his bio whenever you buy the figure. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> the obese uh, controller. He, he has a slow metabolism. Don't you worry about it. It's okay. Cool by Thomas and his friends. Thomas, the tank engine, debuted on our TV screens in 1984. With the dulcet narrating overtones of Ringo Starr. I'm on acid. The famous drummer of, of course, The Beatles. A favorite band of Christopher's. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go back and listen to episode 13 of Operation Retroshock, you will hear our very first ever recording of a show of thumb form that the rock band Beatles. But, yes, the case of this, the whole idea of Thomas the Tank Engine was brought up many, many moons ago. Um, as a bedtime story, this is the kind of common thing you find with some children's shows back in the day. It was always a writer doing a story, just making it up for their kids, specifically, because it was the same with Winnie the Pooh. So it was, in that, they do the story for the child, and they think, hmm, go away, Jamie. Mate, quick, I need a stapler, please, mate, actually, too funny. Oh, dear. Thank you, Jamie, we're glad you're enjoying the show. Um, he's not actually listening live, live, ladies and gentlemen. He's listening to the Pokemon special. Um, but it always transfers well to the TV because if it works on one kid, it'll more than likely work on many children. So that's the premise of Thomas. Um, Thomas is a very magical engine because he actually has a faith. He has a faith, and it's just like freaky stuff because they've actually made real-life versions of Thomas the Tank Engine around the UK and do sort of days out and all that sort of thing. Are they in Margate? <coughs> no, they might be in Margate. Yo! Where Operation Retroshock is going to Margate. Isn't that where um, Del Boy Rodney went and only fills and horses? I think so. I think it was the Jolly Boys out to Margate. I think you're right. I do think you're right. But... I'm going to research Margate and see what's in it. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine was your typical sort of kids show in that you had your moral story and all that sort of stuff. Thomas the Tank Engine was the brave engine. He that smell was making me ill. He would be your brave little engine. The little engine that could and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'll give you an example of a typical Thomas the Tank Engine story. They're all steam engines, obviously, because this is the cool type of cool type of engines. Um, and a evil diesel engine invades the island and he's like yeah cause <laughs> what what go on go on what <laughs> evil engine invades nobody saw him coming on the railroad did they oh no I didn't I was just sitting here talking to him why didn't we pull the bridge up what do you want to do I don't know what do you want to do I don't know um but he went and just started sabotaging all around the place and Thomas he had sabotage things. He's a bloody train. He has like a he has like a claw on top of him. Oh my god! Can, like, grab things and wreck things. Nobody can escape the claw. It's a true fact. Um, but Thomas would go rescue, save the day, with the help of his friends, such as Harold the helicopter, Betty the bus, and <laughs> Edward the engine, and all that sort of stuff. There were so many different types. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um. This is the sort of thing that went on and inspired what we would expect with the likes of Wallace and Gromit. It was that sort of puppeteering, and well not puppeteering, but using of like models and stuff to create a TV show. Um, but it's a case of 
all kids love this because at that sort of an age you're like trains are a good idea but it's a pretty long running show because it's ran from 84 and it's still going to this very day um unfortunately obviously it was a very quintessential British show um it eventually got the attention of America um was adopted by American audiences and channels and all that sort of stuff and eventually the Americans decided they would make a Thomas the Tank Engine movie which had never ever 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 been done we give you Thomas the Tank Engine Americans and you give us Sesame Street <laughs> um, but effectively Thomas the Tank Engine the movie made, wrote, etc. in America was Thomas the Tank Engine on on acid because it basically had the wee girl from Matilda it had Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin was effectively like your controller character well he wasn't the controller character I was going to say he's fat, not fat the fat controller was Alec a, Baldwin is not fat was like away he's on holiday plump. was away on holiday and left like Alec Baldwin in charge yeah, I'm going to holiday I'm but, going to fat camp but like Alec Baldwin's cousin was also there I don't know who he be but he was there as well and he was like I'm going to look after Thomas and Thomas is like yeah okay that's cool I like it uh, <laughs> but the long story is like no not long story I want the short story everything's going wrong in the island and they need oh, like this no, special man. engine that has disappeared into the real world so yes now these uh, engines can go from this weird island that is part of a cartoon show into the real world only in America, ladies and gentlemen. So it was a case of the wee girls, like, oh yeah, yeah, blah, blah, end up in the island, came back, found this engine, and took it back in to the island, and everybody left happily. Basically, Alec Baldwin is your highlight of that movie. Really didn't go well, anyway. Um, Doesn't sound it. I know, but as times changed, Thomas the Tank Engine also <laughs> changed because. Did he? Not only did he and his stellar cast of Edward Henry Gordon, James Percy, Toby and Emily oh, God. <laughs> uh, move on in what you would call the quality of television nowadays in that they went from being like we wooden models that were dragged along train tracks to your typical CGI. Uh, that is extremely pleasant, Chris. It is. Probably the most, co- uh, the most useful thing I've said all evening about Thomas the Tank Engine. That's you're just a disgrace. That's all I can say. Just a disgrace on your face. Like Thomas the Tank Engine, he has a face on his train. And then you go and sit in him. But I'm going to quote you the full names of all the engines. You probably... You already have. Uh, oh, no, no, Henry no, no, the Helicopter. No, just, just, I went... Uh, I, like Edward, James, etc. Henry the... I'm going to wind you up now. Thomas the Tank Engine, Edward the Blue Engine, Henry the Green Engine, Gordon the Big Engine, James the Red Engine, Percy the Small Engine, Toby the Tram Engine, and then just Emily. Do you want to know the people and animals too? I can tell you all the people. <sighs> what? This <laughs> subject's boring me. <laughs> Michael Parkinson was also involved in this show, you Was know? he? Yes. I didn't know that. He voiced something, if I remember rightly. Oh, yeah, dog. George Clooney voiced a dog in South Park. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. It was the one. The w- Her name was Emily. <laughs> Her name Talking was about- Emily. Now I'm talking about bagpuss. The one thing I like bagpuss. that Thomas the Tank Engine, not only for being good for kids and all that sort of stuff, 
it specifically was adopted by people who had disabled children, specifically autism. Because I'll read actually out the fact to you that I have here. Okay. Um, in the National Autistic Society's April 2007 survey conducted with 748 UK parents of children under the age of 10 with autism, 58% of parents reported Thomas was the first children's character they enjoyed, with about a third of parents reporting their children were able to learn basic facial expressions from the characters, as all of Thomas's friends have easy-to-read expressions. 54% of parents reported that the stories contributed to the child's sense of security. Well, that's good. I think that I think that's fantastic because well, it's it's the case with like the likes of that, um, Fireman Sam. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, well, a lot of kids. Well, like that, I'll give you another example. Thomas the Tank Engine spawned another show called Tugs. So it was Tom. It's like Tugs, Fireman Sam, Postman Pat. They're the similar sort of you know. They're not cartoons. They're more your sort of puppets and yeah. models and that sort of thing. But with the likes of Postman Pat, he didn't really have facial expressions because he was a wooden head. Mm. Whereas you can see where this is having an effect in that the kids are not only enjoying a story, and it's hard for autistic kids with many, many things, but to see a character and be able to emphasize the character and actually, no doubt, by the whole facial expression thing play along with the situation and that helps advance them mm. I think it's a fantastic thing and I'm sure it's beyond even what the creator had in mind for it he probably just saw it as that's going to be a kids show yeah well I suppose in some aspects it's very much like uh, again like Sesame Street the way it, it'll teach kids you know how to spell and you know that kind of things I mean my sister has an iPod touch and she's actually downloaded a thing for her daughter, who obviously my niece is five, and you can actually learn to write on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have like it'll say, um, you know, like pat, but it'll say like puh, puh. Uh-huh. So then Sophie will go puh, and then do the p. Oh, and then there's other ones, you know, like it'll say s, and then she'll know it's an s or whatever, you know. So I suppose with everything, you know, like that was groundbreaking at the time, and it's still getting used, mm-hmm. you know, today. You know, but you always find like loads of Thomas the Tank Engine like books, and very much the yeah. same way as uh, even though Teletubbies was lambasted for its its speaking, yeah. you know, like it because of the vibrant colours and stuff, yeah. you know, kids would know and understand it and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, the way you were talking about there with the books and all, that was one thing I was going to get onto was merchandise. Mm-hmm. Thomas the Tank Engine has to have one of the biggest kids merchandise brands out there because this is one thing I did not expect when I went to New York earlier this year. I walked into Times Square, Toys R Us, went up to the second floor and there was a whole wall dedicated to Thomas the Tank Engine. I, oh, yeah. That was one thing I really did not expect because obviously I've been used to it, like we said, of it being a primarily British show. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, even though it had been adopted by American channels and viewers, that it would have got this huge. Yeah. That it would warrant an entire wall in New York, Times Square's Toys R Us. It is amazing because like I remember some of the merchandise that I had back when I was a kid. Yet obviously there was the videos and the VHSs, etc. There was magazines, there was annuals, 
there was audio books, so the typical sort of, you know, pop a tape in and the kid can listen to it yeah. in the car and the way about. Yeah. Um, and then you have like a book and you've then you'll books, say like, you've no, but sometimes you'll have like an audio book and I'll say, when you hear this noise from Thomas Tank, yeah. it may be like, yeah. turn the page and then you can turn the yep, page. And exactly. You had jigsaws and you had stationery and you had boards. You had almost like, uh, you know, like wee train sets and stuff that you could like go together. And that was one thing in Toys R Us. They had a big setup of like the wooden, you know, like jigsaw railroad track that you they would have their wee parts and you click them together and you can make all the different course you want. And you would just be able to push your Thomas the Tank engine and stuff around the place. Um, how, much did you have? how much fun did you have I had for the time I spent the rest of the evening there playing the you're like mummy you go home I stay here I was like mom go have a drink at the bar around the corner in the Irish bar and I'll stay here in Toys R Us and play with Thomas the Tank Engine in Times Square like perfect way to spend your trip <laughs> um, not only obviously did you have the board games and the books and that sort of thing but they went so far as to have cutlery Oh yeah, they have like wee baby spoons and stuff. I can swear I still think that we have one of them kicking about the place. It's probably in a box somewhere in a garage. I'm really feeling that Tesco's were selling them. I not think they still ago. do sell them. Yeah, exactly. But obviously, yeah, and you still had your obviously had your curtains, your covers, and all for your bed. And uh, they, I remember, is, is Heinz out in America? I'm not sure. Heinz is a company that does like. Very much like uh, and all yes, that sort of um, stuff. like uh, alphabetty spaghetti or. Stuff but like they that. even had Thomas the Tank Engine spaghetti hoop things in the shape of an engine and that sort of thing. Yeah. So you could say it was fairly wide when it comes to uh, your merchandise and various different things. Um, but like, like I mentioned, there was so many recreations in the length of time since Thomas the Tank Engine came out of actual old engines being made in to look like Thomas the Tank Engine. Because you would obviously have your wee rides that you would be at the amusements or something that you put your money in and off you go. But there's actual companies out there, proper train line people, that have taken a pristine vintage old train, painted it blue and gave it a face. And it's just like, you know, all fairness to Thomas the Tank Engine, the thing's great. But you don't go and wreck an old train and paint it blue like that. If you're going to make bucket loads of money, you do. I know, exactly. That's the thing, is they can do that. Today's Thomas the Tank Engine weekend, and do you want to ride on the train? Yes, all the kids will be coming along during the summer, and I'll just go mad. Um, so much so that certain theme parks have also got involved in this, because Six Flags in America has it. There's Drayton Manor opened a Thomas the Tank Engine land. Uh, Thomas the Tank Engine land. Land, oh god. So it's just like, what? Um, what does it do with <laughs> the way it's, it's the way everywhere has certain themes. They even flipping ended up with the Thomas the Tank Engine land. It's just like, goodness gracious. And there's also been Tom, you know, much like Pokemon Live on stage, they've done Thomas the Tank Engine Live. Oh, right. So. so it's all mutual, mutual fun when that aspect. Um, this show has had so many different TV channels in the UK, it is unbelievable. Like, you ha- I think you quoted maybe two for the UK, at most for Dungeons & Dragons. It's four, I think. Four? Fair enough. Wait till you hear this for Thomas the Tank Engine. Cartoon Network, Channel 5, Fiverr, Milkshake, ITV, Nick Jr., Nick Jr. 2, and TCC. Whatever TCC is. Like, the Cartoon Channel. Is it the Cartoon Channel? I don't know, I'm just answering, I guess. 
birthday. Oh, it's close. And, of course, uh, it's on the likes of Nick Jr. and UPN. In the United States of America. Yeah, I might. One final thing to touch on with Thomas the Tank Engine. Obviously, we previously mentioned Ringo and we mentioned Alec Baldwin. Yeah. But it's one thing Thomas the Tank Engine has always done is it's had a spiel of narrators. And we shall now explain to you just who some of those narrators are. Narrators. Narrators, narrators, whatever. Ringo Starr was series 1's to 2. 1's to 2. <laughs> one to two. Um, Michael Angelis did UK series 3 to present in the US home videos. Um, in the States, you had Alec Baldwin as a narrator as well. And you had Michael Brandon. But you've also had a guest narrator of Pierce Brosnan. What? It's just like, why, why, why of all people would you have... Pierce Brosnan as your voiceover guy. For have you heard Pierce Brosnan talk? No, this is what I'm talking about. It's just like, why? I suppose I have no idea. Obviously, I know what Ringo sounds like. I have no idea what the middle guy sounds like. Uh-huh. I know what Alec Baldwin sounds like, and of course, Pierce Brosnan is quintessentially English. Whether they got rid of Ringo and got this other guy because maybe, in essence, it's going to be like at the time recording, Cheryl Cole. Is on the American X Factor. And everybody's going to be like, what's she saying? Yeah, go like, you don't really do it. No, that's not the right accent. I'm all over the place with accents tonight. It's terrible. Like, wait, I'm on, I can't believe that you did it, my pet. Oh, wait, I know, I don't like what you sung like. You should have sang a better song. It'd be like, sorry, love, what? It'd be like, uh, what's that, honey? I-, I can't understand what you're saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, so then I'll pull the finger and then off they'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Can um, you think of a good way to transfer us to Red Dwarf now? That is the good question, Chris. Hmm. Well, you see, Thomas the Tank Engine, obviously, uh, he's not a tank and he's not an engine. He is like a train. And a train is a form of transport. Red Dwarf, even though it's a big ship, has Starbug in it, which is a form of transport. Fantastic. There you go. So we're going to go hop in Starbug and we're going to meet you on the beautiful ship Red Dwarf. It's cold outside, Alan. I'm going to freeze to death. That's not how the song goes. But anyway, bye. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box. And you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price. And this is Operation Retroshock. Only on the Pop Culture Network. technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! 
Where? It's not on the radar yet, but I can smell it. Nothing here. Nothing on long range. Sir, is it possible you could have made a mis-smelling? Listen, butterpet head. My nostril hairs are vibrating faster than the springs on a Spaniard's honeymoon bed. I'm telling you, there's something out there. Don't get your double helix in a strip. No one's questioning your nasal integrity. Go to blue alert. But what for? There's no one too alert. We're all here. I would just feel more comfortable if I know that we're all on our toes because everyone's aware it's a blue alert situation. We all are on our toes. May I remind you of Space Corps Directive 34124? 34124. No officer with false teeth should attempt oral <laughs> in zero gravity. Damn you both, all the way to Hades. I want to go to blue alert. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bit of professionalism. Wait, I've got something. I'm punching it up. Too small for a vessel. Maybe some kind of missile. It's impossible to tell at this range. Whatever it is, they clearly have a technology way in advance of our own. So does the Albanian State Washing Machine Company. <laughs> Step up to red alert. Uh, sir, are you absolutely sure? It does mean changing the bulb. It sounded like you were doing the theme tune to Mastermind. No. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. So I was about to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, Dave Lister and Arnold J. Rumor, BSC, SSC, Bronze Swimming Certificate. So yeah, Bronze Swimming Certificate, certificate boy. Um, are the low, le- the lowest levels, uh, rank, low, lowest rank on the ship. Um, Lister is the third technician Rimmer is the second technician and the amount of complaints that um, Rimmer has filed against Lister is quite absurd 
It is quite mad, I must say. But we shall explain to you who these gentlemen are, apart from them having a bronze swimming certificate or silver swimming certificate, or their actual job. Lister, it is fair to say, is, as Chris is amazing with his voices, a Liverpudlian. That's right, pet. That's not. And right. you're cl- it's close, it's close. <laughs> Alright, my name's Dave just... Lister, I'm like the last human being alive. He would Use be a curry, you... will you? He would be, as you could describe, a total bum. Just a little bit. Comes to something whenever his best attire is a t-shirt that has two curry stains on it. That is true. Um, he is the lowest ranking crew member, as already previously mentioned. Yeah. And has a long-standing desire to return to the home planet of Earth and start a lovely farm. On F- Fiji? Which is under three feet of water following a volcanic eruption. How that works, because I don't know. But it is left impossibly far away by an accident that renders him the only known surviving member of the human race. Because he's kept in suspended animation because uh, he won't give his cat called Frankenstein to Captain Hollister and be like, No, I ain't doing that. You're going to go in status. And he'll be like, Okay. And then he goes in status and Todd Hunter says, See you in six months. And you see him waving. And then he then freezes and then you see him waving again. And, and then he ends up in the year 2000 like a Futurama. And then like three million years later and be like, Everybody is dead. He goes like, What? Todd Hunter. Everybody's dead, Dave. Not Rima. And go like, uh, Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. This is true. What was Rimmer's middle name? Judas. That's quite a scary middle name, if I do say so. Yep. And for anybody who doesn't realize, what is Rimmer famous for? The H, the hologram, because he's dead. And the reason why he was brought back was because he had the most... Lister had spoken the most words to him, and Lister's reply to that was, yeah, but... Um, some of them were him reporting me and then like half of that was me telling him to smeg off and half of that was him reporting me for me telling him to smeg off. So you can tell obviously there was not the most of what would you say the most harmonious of yeah. relationships very much like ours. Yes yeah, but everybody loves it. And has a huge H in his head. Where's my barrow? You're not drawing an H on my forehead with a barrow. Thank you very much. Permanent marker okay. No. It's like smashing. No. no when no, you no, don't no. start working until Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, Rimmer was a bit of a card, wasn't he? Uh, being a hologram. Rimmer was a big mouth. Yeah. Um, Bureaucratic and all that sort of stuff. What's I don't know why I went way, to that point. What's the best way to say this? Um, Politely. Politely. Dunkerhead? Yeah, there is, there is, there is like a saying. A schmeghead? No. I can't remember. (laughs) Something to do with all, all, all talking no trousers or some nonsense. I don't remember how it goes. Okay. Very doof. I'm sorry. The next character on our list would be the cat who is famous for many things as an actor, but um, we shall specifically speak about him being the cat on this show first. 
Yeah, so basically the cat is Lister's cat Frankenstein has over three million years has like evolved, um, evolved and he evolved. he's he had, like Pokemon and stuff. He's basically just like a man with cat teeth and has cat tendencies. So like if he's getting food, he'll like collar. Um, he'll want like uh, milk and stuff and that kind of thing. Uh, but he's very vain, and he doesn't understand things, you know. Like so, he has a he finds a yo-yo and he holds the yo-yo upside down. He goes like, "Look, the strings come to get you!" And then Rimmer's going like, "Yeah, okay." It's like, oh dear, no. Yeah. Um, but a certain piece of trivia that you later learn in Red Dwarf is the fact that he has a cool-sounding pulse for a heartbeat. Oh yeah, and that he has six nipples. Yeah, and then he has a dream where him, Rimmer, and Lister are all singing tongue-tied. Yeah, uh, which was weird and stuff. Ship's computer, Chris. Uh, which would be either the male form of Holly or the female version of Holly. Um, which was Norman Lovett as the male, obviously, and Harry Hayridge as the female. Yeah, so. The, um, the male version of Holly was, I think, in it for the first, I'm going to say, three seasons? Series 1, 2, 7, and 8, and the female version was 3, 2, 5, so there you go. Alright, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, because in 6, you didn't say 6, sure you didn't? You said no. 7. Yeah, at 6 they were on Starbucks, so they didn't have a computer or anything. Uh, I think it was only at the end you saw... Lister talking to the watch and it was Holly and then there was something to do with somebody the nano machines prepared to shift or some nonsense something along those lines uh, but I preferred the male version of Holly to the yeah I have to agree um, the male version you know like I said he, his IQ was 6,000 6,000 yes correct. Uh, which was equivalent um, to 3,000 uh, PE teachers um, whereas the female version of Holly had the same IQ but she seemed to be a bit more dumb yeah you know because so. it's something about it has the IQ of 6000 but this is severely depleted from what it originally had well because of years and years and years and years and years of being left to live slow processor okay so Crichton full name Crichton 2X4B dash 523P played by the fantastic Robert Llewellyn not originally, though. Yes. Robert Llewellyn yes. was not in... Series thrice onward. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that in the second series, they find Crichton. Yes. And then he, he goes David, away. David and Ross. Then, yeah. And then uh, Davros, did you say? David Ross. <laughs> yeah. I can see where you got that. Yeah. Um, um, so at the, start, uh, the first time you see Crichton is... Series two. Series two, and he says, like, Oh, help! Uh... Myself and the the female crew members, uh, I'm just sending you pictures, and they're all going like, "Yes, yeah, so we'll be there." Otherwise, my name isn't Ca- uh, Captain Rimmer. I go, "Thank you, Captain." And then they go, and it's just skeletons, and um, basically they take him in, and he does like all the chores and stuff, and uh, basically rebels against Rimmer and throws his in his bed. Where Lester keeps egging him on to ignore his protocols. Yeah, it's just and, like I want you to be a person. Yeah. I don't want you to follow orders, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's probably in the later series, like uh, like from series 
I'm going to say from Series 6 onwards, we kind of see the true form of Crichton. Mm-hmm. Where Series 3, you know, it's kind of, um, he's very much... Um, a mechanoid. Yeah, he's still a mechanoid, you know, like, uh, he's going to get... Um, he's going to get, like, terminated. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, like, uh, the basically his, um, his lifespan's run out and somebody's going to come to replace him and nice. he basically lies and says there's no silicon heaven which he says like obviously I know there is but he didn't and that's what caused him to um, malfunction exactly finally we have Christine the lovely Christine <laughs> uh, played by Claire Grogan before Chloe Arnett Annette even sorry took on the role from Series 7. Are you talking about Kachansky, not Christine? Yeah, her Christine name's Christine. Kachansky? Yes, her name's oh, Christine. Okay. I'm trying to refer by her first name. No, you say Kachansky because that's how everyone Fine. calls her. It's Fine. Kachansky. Try to, me trying to give the person some decency or the character some decency. She was a bit of a left... Even though she was the second one was quite nice. Just had a lovely little crush. But the thing was is that she was replacing Chris Barry... Mm-hmm. And Chris Barry is obviously an integral part of Red Dwarf, mm-hmm. and um, that's like saying, right, we're going to take Han Solo out of here, and we're going to replace him with a different character. Yeah, and he'd be like, whoa, here, hold on, he's like great. Don't be doing that. Exactly. Uh, but she did have good, good some story, uh, some good stories, and she seemed to act. Um, she seemed to um, the chemistry between her and the other members of the cast was yeah. very good. Obviously, we see the mention of her in... Well, sorry, we'll get to that in a second. Obviously, Red Dwarf became pretty much a cult classic, so much yep. so that the Americans tried to do it again. Why, did, why, why does that happen? I don't understand. I don't know. Why do the Americans always try to steal British TV shows? I don't know. Because you've really? had Thomas the Tank Engine, you've had this, you've had numerous others of game shows as well. Um, you now have one of most recent moves from uh, going from being a sole UK show to an American show in Torchwood, the spin-off from Doctor Who. Um, Life on Mars. Life on Mars as well, yes. Hello, let's go to the moon! No, what? that's not what the story's about, ladies and gents. And a crisp just fell down your back. Um, but it's fair to say that the American version fell flat on its face and didn't get anywhere. Probably, yeah. Um... But obviously, the original Red Dwarf is so fondly remembered by everybody that when the word came out that there was going to be a return in 2009, everybody went buck daft. And, and there's going to be another return as well. Yes, this is true. Um, everybody was really happy the fact 2009 would see the return of them, uh, which was Red Dwarf back to Earth. So everybody was like, as Chris's money falls out of his pocket. <laughs> Maybe you should have a proper wallet in your pocket. I don't know. Um, I need to blow my snout. But it's a case of everybody having heard the title for this was freaking out because they were like, oh my goodness, they're finally going to return to Earth, which was the original, obviously, want by Lister. Yeah, but then... It was kind of a case of, I think, with this here, that, um... The BBC back to Earth, part of it. Yeah, the, but with that there, it was a kind of a case of, this is going to be it. This is going to be, like, Your very goodbye. much, like, 
a swan song for yes. them and kind of how to tie up all of these ends and stuff. But as you said, the BBC didn't want it, even though they, they were interested, but they didn't really fancy putting it back. And okay, as well, it was kind of two sides of it. Even though it was never on BBC One, you know, it was always on BBC Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always one of their highest rated shows. Um, so then, whenever they're coming back, obviously they've just went, "No, we we don't want that." And it's kind of, it's kind of like that's really that's really stupid. That's like um, that's like say Smallville, which probably ranks very well on Channel Four or E Four, and then you know like the, moving uh, into like More Four or something. No, but that and then then that's like them saying, right, we've finished it all, and then going, right, we're going to do a spin-off now um, to do with like. Um, Lois Lane um, and them going like no because Smallville was such a hit we don't want this thanks yeah but like we said there's a second return coming on because supposedly uh, Back to Earth was received so well I doubt that was the I think case. it's a it case of they wanted to send, give it a proper send off I think it was the case of we didn't get to see a lot of the ship <laughs> specifically and I thought you said something else no the ship <laughs> I see in Back to Earth because to sum up that special it was a simple case of they broke the fourth wall and basically admitted that it's a story it's a TV show and you see them in their kind of what was it Starbucks smart car oh, yeah it was awful um, it was so bad ending up in Carnation Street so you see Dave Lister meeting his actual actor Craig Charles and they see themselves on a DVD and all that sort of stuff and it's just like, right, okay, this is amazing. No, it isn't really. Because it was like the first episode wasn't too bad because the first episode of the Back to Earth was actually all. Right, hold on. Right I've got a reply from GMA. Um 16 minutes in, just in case there's some cussing. <laughs> Let's go! Look, Christ, we'll just let the pokies do the talking. Like, all need to be said, and um, you'll be going down your heat. Your big HP, big HP, big HP will go down, right down to the bottom, right down, and you just be bleeping, you'll be bleeping, and all of a sudden just go, oh no, 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 oh, price fainted, oh, price is out of usable Pokemon, and he wide it out. See you in stadium, price. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on, Jimmy lad, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, but Back to Earth was not... Best way to say, Back to Earth was not back to form. No. Far, far from it. But, speaking on BBC Radio 2, Craig Charles confirmed that not one new series, but two were actually going to be produced. Filming beginning this year in November. Chris Barry, of course, Rimmer, revealed that the new series will be counted as Series 10. However, a post on the official Red Dwarf website where everything is so official and everything has stating that nothing has been confirmed. Uh, January passed there. It was confirmed again that it's going to get recorded later this year. Yeah. To be broadcast on Dave in 2012. Yeah, because uh, Iman, uh, Robert Llewellyn um, put stuff about it on Twitter. Yeah. So he did. Um, Dave, the awesome channel run by the UK TV group, that's like UT, UK TV Gold, and, oh, sorry, rubbish stuff, but Red Dwarf, fingers crossed, should be good. It's expected to be aired late 2012, and then another series maybe in 2013, if the world survives past 2012. Okay? Good. 
Um, I think, should we really talk about the opening and the music a wee bit? Well, you've got two different stages of that. You've got the one, like the first um, two series, you know, was very sombre music, and then you had the music that had the the theme song, you know, like it's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less, let me fly f- so far away from here, fun, 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 and sun, 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 and so on and so forth. Yep. <laughs> you can tell someone's a wee bit obsessed with knowing every single word there. But well, I do have all the series and DVD. Apart from Back to Earth, because it was muck. Yep. Um, but I always I always loved the intros and, you know, be it early, be it new, and seeing, obviously, the likes of painting yeah. the actual ship. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. And But looking back now, the quality of it is terrible. Yes, it but it's the same bad. with everything. Yeah. Um, but I can guarantee anybody who goes, if you go to YouTube right now and type in Red Dwarf intro, it'll bring up like you know numerous different versions of the intro. But you will listen to it and you will become addicted to that theme mm-hmm. because, as you heard me at the beginning, going and all that sort of stuff. And McCrory better not butt in again. He says, "Good, good. Have a fun rest of the night." Good, sir. P.S. Listen to the poke episode while playing Tigger, but it's Tigger with two G's, not Tiger. So he's playing Tiger uh, Woods. T- no, he's playing Tiger Woods, Tiger golf, Woods golf, which is, of course, sponsored by um, Tiger from Winnie the Pooh and Honey and stuff. Yep, um, <laughs> that's pretty good. For, Thanks, not very well done. Um, yep. So you've put me off my stride. Well done, Chris. We're talking about the intro music. Yeah, the intro music. And there's like different. Go intros. listen to it on YouTube. You will become addicted to it because it is just one of those things that you'll find yourself either humming along to it, singing along to it, or whatever. Yeah. Because you will also then start using the word schmeg a lot. Mm-hmm. Schmeg is their version of swearing and stuff. Or you could join the committee for the liberation and integration of terrifying organisms and their rehabilitation into society but the thing with that is the abbreviation for that is clitoris <laughs> see where celebrity juice got their idea for uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say I am surprised that I can actually remember what that all I'm was I'm shocked you just heard this stuff getting reeled out beside <laughs> me I was like alright so there's some other kind of like we spin-offs with Red Dwarf well not spin-offs but they've taken the whole idea of Red Dwarf and put out because they did a the way there's over here, there's university challenge. Uh-huh. They did a universe challenge with them all, so they did that sort of as a spin. Well, they did university challenge with the young ones. It was hosted by the original university challenge presenter, Bamber Gaswin. What a name is that? Uh, like you said, it was knowledgeable dwarf fans against the team, consisting of Chris Barry, Craig, Charles, Robert Lowell, and Chloe Annette, and Danny John Jules. So that was pretty cool. Um, but it's a case of also that they what was it the, I'm trying to remember they actually didn't get Patrick Stewart to actually come and talk about it on one of the documentaries I think yeah because that's whenever he says about um, that he thought it was like a legit um, sci-fi show sci-fi show and it was only whenever he was in the middle of phoning his lawyer or something like that and then he went actually it doesn't matter and then he became like like Stephen Hawking is a huge fan of it. Huh. Exactly, yeah. And here was it? There's a, the writer, there's Terry Pratchett or something. He's done one of those those weird shows for like Sky One. He enjoyed it and all as well. Yeah. 
But I think that's effectively Red Dwarf. Is there anything else? You've missed two I know that's, that's what I was about to say. You've missed um, Dwayne Dibley, mm-hmm. which was whenever the um, polymorph, mm-hmm. which would like um, you know like make cat look uncool and all uncoordinated and then um, you had uh, Rumor's alter ego um, oh, yes, sorry. who um, was like the complete polar opposite of Rumor and everybody liked him and his catchphrase was smoke me a kipper I'll be back for breakfast which you can get on t-shirts such as um, speaking of merchandise was there anything specific Red Dwarf merchandise wise you have I uh, had t-shirts I do have a book in my wardrobe to do with series 6 and uh, the one to do with like the virtual reality, wherever they're like cowboys. Ah, yes. Um, and obviously, as I was saying, that Rimmer's alter ego was called Ace Rimmer. And um, we see him in a couple of episodes, and his character was fantastic. As I said, I did ha- I did have a couple of T-shirts. Like um, there was one to do with Lister, and he had like his the gun thing, and it says um, I think it said in the back of it, "Let's get out there and." It. Ah, right, okay. So uh, I'll not say that one because that would be naughty. No, it'd be naughty. Um, and you could also get that one that I said earlier on to do with the um, group that you could join. And there was a couple other ones. You ca- there is like a Red Dwarf um, fan club, and I did download not too long ago on iTunes um, uh, the Smeg Ups because mm-hmm. I always enjoyed them. The like there, that's like their outtakes. You have like Smeg Ups and Smeg Outs. Um, but uh, I always enjoy them because the cat uh, always seemed to muck up. Meow! Yep, indeed. That us? I think that's us. I think that's as much as we can do. I think that's it. I don't think we've lost anything special here or anything. But we shall round out the show doing a number of things. Really, are we? First of those being announcing a new competition. <laughs> can I win? No. What's the name I can? I win. You're not allowed to win. Why not? Because it's an awesomeness game, which we shall talk about in the very near future. Because I'll get to tell the people that I get to dance around, and that's a hint at the game. Because recently I got a Kinect, and obviously we have working relationships with various different gaming industry peoples and stuff and brands. Um, the specific one that we're talking about here today, and we would like to thank, is... Our friends at Ubisoft, because they have sent to me and Christopher a game for you, lovely ladies and gentlemen, to win. And I'm going to let Chris come up with the question that they are going to ask people. But I will tell you just what game you can win before that. It is... For Connect, of course, you have to have a Connect, or you can you can still win it and sell it. I don't mind, whatever. Um, it is, in fact, the new Michael Jackson experience on the Xbox 360. Completely brand new, sent to us by Ubisoft. You can hear, listen, that's the rapper. So you can win that. Now, obviously, if you're in America, we don't know if this will work in your system. But we're happy enough to send it for you to try anyway, if you do indeed win the competition. Yeah, and if not, then you can give it back to us. That's fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Michael Jackson's experience. So there's no doubt that we will have to make it Michael Jackson related or song related or something along those lines. Is there something in particular, question-wise, 
you would like the ladies and gentlemen to focus on. Yes. Um, obviously, Michael Jackson's move, uh, not movies. Um, obviously, his music videos are well renowned with the likes of Scream and um, Thriller, etc. But one of his most um, underrated ones would be Liberian Girl. Okay. Um, in this, you have a slew of famous actors. Mm-hmm. I would like our competition um, entrants to name two people from this and uh, send them to us at our email addresses, which Alan will give us momentarily. Obviously, if you want to name more, you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, if we have a tiebreaker, we will give it to the person who guesses the most. Mm-hmm. So you can name two, but if we have a tiebreaker and somebody's named three and somebody's named two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a sense, if you want to try and name them all, Gotta name them all, Michael Jackson. Um, if you want to name them all, go on ahead. Uh, if you want to name two, if that's you, fine. And if you really want to win it bad, then tell us your favourite Michael Jackson song and why as well at the end. That could give you bonus points. It could, but probably won't. So don't say that. It probably will. The best thing for you to do is just to say, here are the names of people I've picked two, or I know of like six or whatever. And then we will put them into a Michael Jackson style hat, and then we will draw them out with one glove and go like, hee hee winner. Exactly. And so, that's your competition. You have, hmm, I say, from when this show goes out until the next episode of Operation Retroshock or WrestleShock, we shall decide. But I probably say best timing basis take the date for the wrestle shock. Whenever this. The, whenever this goes out, whenever this goes out, we will obviously be putting this on our Facebook wall and on Pop Culture Network forums. We will have the closing date there. We will say this needs to be in by say, you know, probably um, a fortnight or so. Yeah, it'll probably be a fortnight because normally it'll be um, at the very most it'll be um, three weeks if it's Operation Retro Shock and then say Wrestle Shock and then like Master yeah. Universe Chronicles something like that. Um, but at the minute, I haven't been checking my Pop Culture Network email address. People will be spamming him. Because um, it, it seems to have quieted down now, but um, if you would like to enter, if you could just send your details over to Alan, um, ra- rather than myself. If you want to send them to me, you can do, but it'll be at vintoman at googlemail.com, not pop culture. It's still the same... Um, start of it just fintoman at googlemail.com or if you're a member of the Pop Culture Network forums you can find my name there and just send me a private message with your entrance and just mark it with every email every entrant please write Operation Ret or just write Michael Jackson competition entry or something along those lines don't leave it blank don't write um, hello don't write bitey or something that like that that is perfecto because yes Obviously, enter the competition, go ahead, but if you're just wanting to send us any comments, anything you maybe want to see on the show in the future, send us them in our emails, because we actually have been getting a few good few emails recently. Um, yes, thanks Tom Williams for that yes, very good email. Tom's email was a big standout. He yeah. gave me a heads up, and we spoke about it back and forth quite a bit about Pokemon. Nothing love. No, you're alright, calm down. <laughs> Um, but he indeed take, you know, took our word and actually, instead of going, hey, or hello, or whatever in the subject title, actually mentioned Operation Retroshock, Pokemon episode, 
and I looked at my junk folder and was actually able to pick it out. So do that, and then I will actually see that you're properly contacting me. Thank mm-hmm. you. But everybody who's been doing it has been doing it, so you've obviously been listening. So Yeah, and there thanks to Devs McGee and Stephen Ely, who was... Um, he was Rimmer. Yeah, he was Arnold Rimmer, yeah. Oh my uh, God! <laughs> yeah, so um, thanks to them. Thanks to Devs for uploading the... Um, photos and thanking us and thanks to Stephen as well for getting in touch and um, thanking us for the DVD and magazine um, that was sent as well um, so if you um, as we've said um, just send your email entries to us um, if you want to you can send us also a voicemail you can still send us like a short mp3 um, file to those email addresses ventoman at googlemail.com or Price at popculturenetwork.com that's A-L-L-A-N um, if you are unsure of our email addresses you can also go to popculturenetwork.com click on the staff button and our email addresses will be there just see our lovely smiling faces yeah exactly I need to update my picture and I'm do I have put one hat or something I don't know um, and uh, yeah just if you have any ideas about what you'd like to see in the show if you'd like to be part of the show if you'd like to contrib- contribute to the show mm-hmm. um, then you can also um, let us know and also if there's any guests you would like to see on the show because that's one thing we actually don't get a lot of requests for even though we are up for doing it Chris does it with Chronicles so we are up for getting well, some people done it for quite some time but it's a case of Chris's experience in interviews we've done a few here as well we are happy enough to try and track down some people. Don't make it out of this world because I know we're saying that and we got Chris Jericho, but it's a case of give us somebody good and we'll try our best because we've a few you know, we've a few people in the pipeline with one saved up for a certain big summer release that we're gonna try and get something related to that. But that's all for down the line. But speaking of down the line, Chris, mm-hmm. what is in line for our next show? Our next show, obviously, we've done a TV special. You normally do like a movie special. The movie special will be delayed until after we've done a game special. Um, the movie special is uh, quite big. Yeah, it's going to be a two-parter, which most of our film ones seem to be. So we aren't going to give you any clues for that just yet. You'll have to wait for the next episode for that. But if you can guess the fact that Star Wars special took two episodes and this one's going to take two episodes, there's only so many franchises out there that you can think that we might be going to touch That's right, on. folks. We're going to be covering Police Academy. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, so the game special, at the time of going to press, this is what we're going to be recording about, unless it um, decides... Unless the we, world just implodes or something. Yeah, or we want to change it to something else, um, which will be Super Mario 2, Paperboy, Little Big Planet, and Mario Smash Football on the GameCube. Smash football is awesome, and I'm addicted. It's good. Yes, indeed. So, um, shall we bid our farewells to the ladies and gents? Yeah, I think we shall do. So, um, yes, go out, check popculturenetwork.com, see all the shows, Radical Retro Turtle Toy Bo- Talk? Toy Talk? Uh, yeah, not Mint Box. I was trying to blend the two together. you got Radical Retro, not Mint Box. Uh, you've got Comic Corner. You've just got absolutely everything. That new toy smell, it figures... Anything honor, honor and the par or par and the honoured uh, honour and the honour um, yes par and the honour yep. um, anything you want be it games be it wrestling be it whatever it will be on popculturenetwork.com so go there check it out go to the store as well some nice stuff in there but we shall see you next time for our gaming special I have 
as always, been... We will actually see you next time for WrestleShock, yes. but anyway. But they'll still see us next time. Oh, as always, I've been Alan Price. As always, I've been Dwayne Dibley. No, I have not been. I've been Chris Vint. And uh, thank you for joining us in this uh, fun kind of thing. Apart from Thomas the Tank Engine, that was pure weird. But uh, thanks all for joining us. And uh, we shall hop aboard the train now and depart and go to Animal Crossing. And as a train station. And I hate that music. But I don't hate this music. Shaboom!